Thanks for choosing to spend a little bit of Christmas Eve with us. It's good to see all of you, and uh, it's good to be together. In the next few minutes, I'd like to just draw our attention and spend some time thinking about uh, the Father's love for us. And to do so, if you have a Bible or perhaps want to grab one that might be in front of you or pull out your device, or perhaps just look at the screen, because we'll put it on the screen there as well, I'd like for us to look at 1 John chapter 4, verses 9 and 10 together. John writes this letter, this epistle, to the church in Ephesus, and he writes to them, giving them a series of different tests that they may apply themselves to and, and ask themselves the difficult questions such as, do our lives match what we claim to believe? Does our love that we claim we have received from the Lord reflect itself in how we love and care for others? And it's in a section uh, like that that John is giving a test that we find verses 9 and 10 as he begins to articulate the love of the Father. And tonight we're not going to look at the test and necessarily what John says regarding our response because I want us to see the Father's love and time just wouldn't permit us this evening to go much further. But if you have your Bibles or just can put your eyes on the screen, let's read verses 9 and 10 of John chapter 4 together. In this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that He has loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. So there's some things there, namely a really big word at the end, but we'll talk about that. John begins to articulate for this church and ultimately 2,000 some years later for our church. The love of the Father. And John tells us that the love of God was made manifest among us. In this, the love of God. This is how the love of God has been made manifest. And the first thing that I'd love to just draw your attention to this evening is that the Father's love is a revealed love. The word that John uses there, manifest, means to reveal. It means to clearly clearly make known something by revealing the details. If you want to understand the details of the Father's love, look at what the Father did in revealing those details. A celebration that we find ourselves gathered around this evening. A celebration we will find ourselves gathered together around trees tomorrow. A celebration that is characterized this season for some of you way too early Some of you are traditionalists, you like it after Thanksgiving, others of you can't get enough Christmas, and Christmas in July is your favorite mid-year break, but this love has been revealed, it has been manifest. The details have been clearly communicated, and it's been revealed, and it's been manifest in such a way, and by the birth of Jesus. Perhaps the most famous verse in the Bible is John 3.16, 
For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever would believe in Him would not perish but have eternal life. See, the love of God was so great towards us that He manifested and revealed His love for us in that He sent His only Son into the world. But His love is not just a revealed love, it is also a purposeful love. Notice the second part of verse 9. You have the words, so that. Those words should stand out like a siren for you as you read the Scriptures because what the biblical authors are telling you when they use those words, so that, is, hey, notice the purpose. Notice the purpose behind what I am going to say. And the purpose the Father's love was revealed for was that we might live through Him. That we might live through Christ. Jesus himself said in John 10.10, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life, and life more abundantly. Is this eternal life? Absolutely it is eternal life. But friends, it is also life here and now. Psalm 16 verse 11 says that you make known the paths of life. At your hand and in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. See, the, the desire for pleasure, the desire for happiness, the desire for joy is a God-given desire. The problem, as C.S. Lewis very, very aptly stated, we are far too easily pleased. Rather than ultimately desiring a cruise on an ocean liner in the middle of the sea, we settle for splashing around in mud puddles. We are far too easily pleased. But the desire for life is why Jesus came. And it is, He came so that we might live through Him. His love is a purposeful love and I clearly remember one day working at Applebee's and I was in college and worked there for about three years and there was a manager and he was the most highly functioning alcoholic I have ever been around I don't know if you have ever met an individual like that but I don't think his blood alcohol level was ever at zero he finished work got wasted showed up to work still wasted, went through work fighting the effects of a hangover only to end work and go and get wasted again. But he functioned at a high level such that he was able to be a manager at a restaurant and he was a pretty good one. And he was one of those guys that was a work friend, kind of, you know, the people that you're, you're cool with at work. You probably don't hang out on the weekends with them, but you're good in the workplace and there's conversation that can happen and you're able to joke around with them and they're just a pleasant person to be around. And I remember talking to this man one day about faith, about the gospel, about Jesus, and I remember him saying so clearly, Christianity is just a crutch for people that can't get by elsewise. And my response to him was, was no, no, it's not. You see, you've got to understand these things and these things. No, it's, it's not a crutch. And to be honest, as I've thought about his statement and my answer, some 10, 11, 12 years since we had that conversation, I think he was exactly right. Christianity is not just a crutch 
for somebody that can't make it in life. It's a heart transplant for somebody that's been dead and has now been made alive. See, he understood something about the gospel that I actually tried to push him away from because it's, yes, you, you can't do this. You're not going to find those answers in the bottle. You're not going to find those answers in this relationship. You're not going to find those answers in work. Jesus came to give life. And life abundantly. And Christianity is far more than just a crutch for somebody that can't hobble along themselves. It is a heart transplant for those who are willing to recognize, I'm dead. And I need to be made alive. The Father's love is a purposeful love and His purpose in sending the Son and revealing His love was so that we might live through Him. The Father's love is also a preempting love. Verse 10, in this is love. You want to have love defined for you? Here it is. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that He loved us. And sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. The Father's love is a preempting love. And this is really, really good news. Because this means you don't clean yourself up so that the Father will love you. You don't have to accomplish a set of tasks so that the Father might lavish His love on you. His love is a preempting love. Not that you loved Him, but that He loved you. And preemptively so. This is the heart of the Gospel. This is grace. This is being given what you and I don't deserve. We don't deserve His love. And if left to our own devices, we, A, would never be able to earn it, but probably never be able to be brought to the point where we even recognize that we need it. But He preemptively lavishes His love upon us. The Father's love is a preempting love. And it's at this point in defining love that what John says stands in stark contrast to all popular Christmas forms of love. He's making a list, checking it twice, going to find out who's naughty or nice because what? Santa Claus is coming to town, right? And if you're naughty, you don't get Santa's love reflected in gifts. You get coal. The love that John describes is a love so far greater than any modern conception of love. Certainly any modern cultural Christmas definition of love that's given. The tail end of that song is that you better be good for goodness sake. Because Santa Claus is coming to town. Friends, the Father's love is a preempting love. Not that you loved Him, but He loved you. So I don't know if you find yourself here tonight wondering what it is that you need to do to get yourself to a point where you become lovable. 
But the short answer from the pages of Scripture, from the very mouth of God Himself, is nothing. You have nothing to do to become lovable. He doesn't have a list that He's checking twice. He already knows you're naughty. And He has lavished His love upon you, preemptively so, way before you decided you were going to love Him in return. That is grace. That is the heart of the gospel. And lastly, we see that the Father's love is an effective love. John says in verse 10, In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that He has loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. I wouldn't use the big word unless it was in the Bible, and it's there, so we've got to use it. What does it mean? It means that Jesus, He absorbed all of God's righteous, holy wrath that was rightly directed at sin and sinners. And He took it upon Himself on the cross. And when He died on that cross, He effectively canceled the record of debt that stood against you and I because it was nailed up there with Him. Because the Father's love is an effective love. For God to be just and holy and righteous and good, sin has to be punished. Jesus Christ took that punishment and took our place. And the Father's love is an effective love. And the Father sent the Son for a purpose. And that purpose is perhaps best summarized in the words of the Son Himself. I have come not to be served, but to serve. And to give my life as a ransom for many. And so the question I believe that that stands and begs to be asked tonight is, is this a love that you have received? Is this a love that you have trusted in? This same author, John, good friend of Jesus, one of his inner three disciples would write elsewhere, but to all who did receive him, who believed or had Faith in His name. He gave the right to become children of God. Who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of, but of God. Is this revealed, purposeful, preempting, effective love what you trust in or do you find yourself trusting in yourself do you find yourself hoping to maybe not do a certain list of things and perhaps do another list of things perhaps you even wonder if tonight maybe makes some type of difference in the cosmic scales that God might have set up somewhere and to be quite honest it doesn't I'm thrilled that you're here. 
But if you think being here will make God love you because you've come to a Christmas Eve service, you're gravely mistaken. God's revealed His purposeful, His effective, and His preemptive love is given to us as a gift. And you and I are implored to receive it. We're exhorted to believe in His name. To no longer believe or trust in ourselves. To to believe that in Him there actually is life to be found. And life to the fullest and life abundant. This is why Jesus was born. He was born to die. And so that we might live through Him. And I want to ask you tonight, is this a love that you personally have trusted in? Is this revealed, purposeful, preempting, effective love what your hope is found in? The band is going to come up and going to lead us in a few more songs as we conclude our night and they will give us some instructions regarding candle lighting and what we will do at the tail end. But as we sing, if you find yourself tonight not sure if your faith and trust is in Jesus Christ, is in His name, I'll be down front, and I'd love to chat with you briefly, and for longer after the service, if needed, because there's one reason we celebrate Christmas, it's that Jesus came, and there's one reason He came, and it was so that He might pay the penalty for my sin and your sin, so that we might live through Him. Would you stand as I pray? The band will lead us. I will be down front and would love to discuss any of this with any of you. Come while we sing even. Please feel free to do so. Father God, we thank you for your love. The love that you have lavished upon us. The love that you have given us, Lord. The love that you revealed in a manger so many years ago in Bethlehem, the the love that you manifested, the love that you have purposefully used so that we might find life. God, I thank you that your love is preempting. You don't wait for me to clean myself up before you'll accept, accept me. Rather, you give me everything I need to be accepted by you and then you go to work. God, thank you that your love is effective. What Christ did on the cross was effective. So Lord, we come to bring an offering to you. Come before our King, because the Son cannot compare to the glory of your love, your revealed, your purposeful, 
your preempting, your effective love. Amen.